0: Welcome to a special edition of The Learning Journey as we take a look back at some of the best moments from season one. Now, a common thread has emerged through this season of the podcast, and that was the influence family members had on staff who are currently serving with MAF. And amongst those sharing their story of that influence in this episode will be Stu Fitch, Ben Brown and Mark Draper but before we get to any of that, our first guest is Country Director for Uganda, Ruth Jack, who actually comes from a long line of missionaries.
1: My journey started even before I was born. My grandparents were missionaries in West Africa for 25 years. My dad was born there in the back of a peanut lorry and all of my um, uncles and aunt from that side of the family were born there and grew up there in West Africa where, where they lived. So growing up in Scotland which is where my grandparents returned to after their 25 years. I was very familiar with stories of Africa and uh, every time the family got together there were pictures and we brought they brought out the slide projector as it was in those days. It was nothing digital and uh, there was lots of pictures of my father and his family. Um, very traditional missionary looking with their Panama shorts and hat on, but in in their little round huts with their African family and friends. So that was really familiar to me. I was the oldest grandchild and I always believed that one day I would probably do and live the way that they had lived. Um, When I was 12 years old, I I had a very um, impactful moment when I saw pictures on the television of the Ethiopian famine and I immediately wanted to get on a plane and go and help but of course I couldn't at that point point. and really since that time I was expecting the Lord to move me to Africa at some point in my life and fulfill what I felt was his promise to me and his direction
0: to me. Uh, Just wondering, Ruth, so sort of growing up uh, with your grandparents, you know, in the mission field, I'm sure that you heard a lot of stories, heard a lot of testimonies. Was there sort of one or two of those, like in your your early years, that really confirmed, you know, this promise that you felt God had for you to go to Africa?
1: Um, I don't remember any particular stories, but I had a very strong burning desire to help people. I can't explain it any more than that. I thought at first I might be a doctor and therefore I would go and help people uh, with medicine. But I very quickly became the bossy one in the family. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what my parents would say. And I was always in charge of everything. It can be a strength and a weakness, but usually if there was a gathering or something happening, I was put in charge of organizing it, even from the age of 12. So it was very easy for me to move into a management space even as a young person and organize things so that that actually became the focus of my career um, is management. But I don't remember as a youngster a specific thing about a calling, just a real strong desire and a hunger to go to the developing world um, and to serve and to help people. Really, that was the strongest passion was to help people. Um, And I didn't know how that would happen, but it was just the desire of my heart was to go and help people.
0: So where did you land first and how old were you at that time?
1: Well, obviously, um, I finished school and I took a gap year and I actually went to South America. And I did a year living in a country that most people have never heard of called Guyana. And I lived, I was the only white person in a village. I lived with a local family. And Guyana is not Latin American as most South American countries are. It's actually more like a Caribbean country. It's a fascinating place for me to spend a year. And I was there to set up a children's home. Um, which these days is actually not a very trendy thing to do, setting up children's home. But at that point, it was what my church had sent me off to do. I took a big um, wad of money <laughs> uh, on a money belt, and I was there from the age of 18 till I was 19, and I was responsible for purchasing a building, having it renovated, filling it with children, setting up the procedures, staffing it, and then we actually had the president of Guyana come and open it. So that was my first foray, I would say, into development and into something that looked similar to what my grandparents had done but it did light an even bigger passion. It also cemented my faith, I have to say. I was very far away from home. There was no internet in those days. So connection with my mum and dad was down a crackly phone line on the only phone in the town once a month. So my hope had to be in God and there was nowhere else it could land.
0: Some great wisdom from people like Ruth Jack has been shared throughout season one of The Learning Journey. And if you want to listen to any of those episodes that you may have missed, just browse through the previous episodes in your podcast player. Now, like Ruth, Director of Flight Operations Stu Fitch began his missionary journey in his late teens, although it's fair to say he wasn't thinking about MAF when he first started flying. I flew solo
2: on my 17th birthday so I could fly an aeroplane before I could I could drive a car. I was at school and uh, one of my mates joined the Air Cadets, which is, it's kind of like a junior Air Force kind of thing um, that they that they have here in the UK. Um, just went along, a bit like Scouts, that kind of thing, thought, give it a go um see what it's like and then from that thought i kind of like this this is it just fitted with me so i was fortunate enough to join the air force and flew in the air force for um 13 years and the the reason i I was sold on my 17th birthday was because i'd applied for and got um a scholarship from the air force to learn to fly so they paid for 30 hours in a 152 no strings attached i'm pretty sure they don't do it anymore because costs a reasonable amount of money if it's that with everybody and then so did that thought yeah this is really cool like this um and then when you're 19 you think you can do anything you want so saw no reason why i wouldn't be able to join the air force only later do you realize the chances of it like one in a hundred people or something like that who apply yeah. actually actually make it so yeah been involved in aviation ever since
0: and i think it's roughly 20 years ago or maybe this year it's 20 years that you uh you joined maf so what was that journey from the royal air force to a missions organization who's at its heart is a as an aviation organisation? You
2: know, I joined the Air Force um, expecting that that would be my career. Um, very definitely, um, I haven't got time for it now, but I have absolutely no doubt it was God's calling. My mum and dad had always sort of supported mission, got the various magazines from different, different organisations, including the MAF one. So I kind of was aware of what MAF did. And then as I went on in my Air Force career, started to know a bit more about what MEF did, started supporting it. Um, and then I met my wife. Ruth and she's a Mishkid in fact she's third generation missionary now Um, her grandparents and both parents were missionaries in various parts of the world and sort of fairly quickly the conversation led to what are you going to do with your life she's a medical doctor and wanted to go back to the mission field to do go overseas to practice medicine, medicine so that sort of all joined together and um, prayed about it a lot and felt like every time we pushed on the door, the door opened and we sort of progressed one step further through the journey that's left, that's brought us to math. and after 20 years still here, still as passionate, hopefully more passionate actually about the mission that we have and what we do and being able to combine Uh, our professional expertise that we have in aviation and a love of Jesus and wanting the world to know who he is and what it means to have a relationship with him
0: yeah did you ever kind of like you know in that first step or you know those first sort of days or weeks you know as part of MAF there on the ground in Kenya were there ever moments where you had questions in terms of like were you supposed to be doing this or was the call of God just that strong that you went this is where we're supposed to be we know this is where we're supposed to be we're in his will we're following the the path and the plan that he has for us and there was kind of no
2: like looking back no i don't think there was and that, that i don't mean that to sound glib in any way because it, it that makes it sound as though it's easy and it really wasn't um you know one of the things that we try really hard as an organization to do is to make sure that people's calling is really sound and, and they are they are doing what exactly what you just said that they're in god's will i'm absolutely convinced that no matter where you are if you're in the middle of god's will there's no better a place to be you know we're all on a different path with that with our heavenly father and where he wants us to be but being in the middle of that is where we need to be whatever the season of our life is we arrived in Kenya and we had a, a very good friend of ours got really sick back in the UK very quickly of one of Ruth's best friends that was not easy and I was really homesick which took me completely by surprise um I traveled a lot I'd been away with the military I'd lived overseas with the military never had it before but just yeah for the first two or three months just felt really homesick but from the flying perspective you know i was reasonably confident with the training that we had that i could make it one thing that we try
0: to do on the podcast is to take
2: you on a journey
0: with MAF staff members. And Stu Fitch was very gracious in sharing both the ups and the downs of missionary life. But if you've got a story that you'd love to share during season two of the podcast, we would love to hear from you via learning.development at mafint.org. That's learning.development at mafint.org, our email address. Now, next up is Ben Brown, Deputy Program Director in Arnhem Land, who knew from a young age that he wanted to join MAF. I think I was about 13 and there was a math poster in our church and I
3: think and for those of you who've been through the recruitment process or know math there's a poster of an aeroplane running down a really steep hill taking off and it just looks so incredible to see an aeroplane doing something that really you don't think an airplane can do because you're just so used to flat runways. But this dirt runway that's running down a really steep hill. And I remember looking at that poster when I was younger and going, wow, that just looks amazing. And it was in, in my church and, and it was quite clear that Math was a Christian organization. And, and I just looked and I thought, you know what, one day I really want to go and do that, go and work for that organization. Because for me, God had obviously instilled a desire, a passion to go and work in aviation. And it's something which, from a very, very young age, I knew I wanted to go and do. So I knew I wanted to be a pilot. And all the way through secondary school, high school, I knew I wanted to be a pilot. And so this exposure like at the age of 13 cemented something on my heart that God wants me to go and work in aviation. But there was just this organization called math that I think he was going to lead me to.
0: Can I ask you, Ben, At 13, we're pretty naive. You know, we think, oh, it's pretty straightforward. I'll finish school, you know, I'll get my pilot's license, off I'll go. Like, are you surprised that the journey has taken as long as it has for you to actually get to program with MAF? Because, you yeah, know, you've spent like 15 odd years in the military in between. And obviously, you know, that's been a, a time of equipping and gaining skills and those sorts of things. But, like, does your 13 year old self and now your adult self, are they sort of seeing things differently?
3: That. Direction of going towards working for the military was was also there. And so I kind of, when I was 14 in the UK, we go and do a week's work experience. And so you get to go out of school for a week and you go go and try out work in different places. And I was really fortunate I got to go and work with the RAF and the army um, for a week and just be be around helicopters for a week. And it was at that point that I knew it's like, right, I want to be a military pilot. Certainly, I think it's kind of as we talk about journeys and God's plan. I think it was definitely God's plan to send me down that route first, to go to the military. But at the same time, there's always just in the background, this MAF. It's like, you're going to go and do the military stuff, but you know what, the direction and the way I'm leading you is to build up that experience and understanding of aviation so that you can go and serve me with MAF further down the line. And right from the moment I joined the military and started my pilot training, I knew that it would lead me to MAF eventually. I didn't know when, and I didn't quite know it would go in that direction. And, and that's the journey that God would take me on. But I always knew it would end up here at after a spell in the military,
0: so what are some of the things that you learnt in the military that you're still using now? So there's obviously skills, you know, in terms of, of flying. So that's probably a given. But maybe what are some of the other skills? Maybe even you know, life skills that you learnt in the military that really you're going. I'm still using those today. Serving with MAF in Arnhem Land,
3: certainly joining the military is is a really formative experience. Um, I joined as an officer back in. 2008. So part of that process of joining as an officer is you have to spend a year at officer trainings and you spend a year just learning about leadership and management skills. There's an element of classroom base, but a lot of it is practical exercises. So it's a lot of it is about pushing the boundaries of what you think you're capable of and then pushing them a bit further and Constantly evolving that process throughout a year in, in various ways so that the army is essentially producing leaders who can leave Sandhurst and then go and serve on the front line of a battlefield. So, in my case, I spent a year at Sandhurst and kind of went through that transformative experience of developing my leadership management skills building up that confidence in who I am. And then straight away, I got sent to Afghanistan for four months. And kind of the result of that year at Sandhurst was so evident in the sense of how I developed as an individual, and then and able to go to somewhere like Afghanistan and be totally adaptable, ready to support uh, the people I'm there to lead, ready to support that the overall mission that that we were there to achieve. And so, yeah, so right from the very beginning, from that very first year, there's a lot of demand um, and there's a lot of training and there's a lot of building people up in order to kind of go and serve in some really hostile places in Afghanistan, obviously being the case in point there. And that journey just... Of learning and developing the military is just continuous. And and it's a very well trod path for people. So, yes, I was learning how to fly aircraft and developing my skills in that space and everything to do with aviation. But I was also developing as an individual, uh, as a leader, as a manager, and being uh, given formal training, but then also that on the job stuff. So, only the stuff that you can learn in a practical sense during quite demanding times. And so, what the military's given me is a real resilience It's the first thing, definitely. So the ability to go into situations which aren't familiar, which are potentially hostile. And then also it's given me all that great aviation experience. So there's two things there which have kind of really been able to come together so that when it comes to joining an organization outside and in this case math I'm able to bring that leadership and management experience inside all the different um, training and operations I've been on and then also bring all that aviation experience of, of spending 14 years flying helicopters and aircraft and then hopefully bring them together inside math and be able to use them just to support the organization here and I like to think I can bring a little something to the party that had I joined math straight away and not been in the military I may not have been able to do And to me, that's just so important to just bring that little bit extra. I really believe God had a plan for, and and that's kind of why we've ended up now quite a few years since I was 13 and built me up to this point now to actually being here on the ground.
0: Our final guest on this special edition of the Learning Journey podcast is Mark Draper, a licensed aircraft maintenance engineer currently serving in Uganda. Mark was introduced to the work of MAF through a book given to him by his grandparents. And it's fair to say he's had to navigate a couple of large unexpected obstacles along the journey. My family's kind of
4: history with math goes back a a really long way. So um, my uh, first kind of introduction to math that my family had was um, actually with my grandfather. So he was working for um, British European Airways, um, which was what it was called before it became British Airways. And uh, one day he was uh, working in the hangar at Heathrow Airport and uh, Stuart King showed up with an aeroplane in a container that had just come over from the United States. And that was um, Math's first Cessna 180. And uh, so my granddad was working at Heathrow for BEA, and he was part of the Christian Union. Um, him and the Christian Union team basically helped them put this airplane together. And then Betty Green and Stuart King, once it was all put back together, flew it off to South Sudan. So that was kind of my family's introduction to Math back in 1956. My grandparents supported math and then my parents, um, my dad's hugely into aircraft and aviation. So I've always kind of grown up around that and being obsessed by airplanes. And um, when I was kind of in my teens, my dad said to me, oh, you you want to find out a bit more about math? Well, here's this book, Jungle Pilot. And um, it's the story of Nate Saint, who's a missionary pilot for math in Ecuador. And um, him and some of the guys he worked with were trying to reach out to this group of Indians um, who had not really been even exposed to the outside world before. You know, things started really well, and uh, yeah, but unfortunately, in the end, they were killed um, by the Indians they were trying to reach to. But amazingly, God worked through his grace, and, uh, you know, it's just an incredible story of then Nate's family and the other missionaries' families that were out there, you know, forgave the Indians and actually went back and shared the gospel with, with these uh, guys. And, um, yeah, had, have had such a lasting effect. And so I'm reading this story at like 14, 15 years old and just being like, oh, wow, you know, because I'd always been obsessed with aeroplanes. And so this was, you know, for me, I could mix my faith with my passion for aeroplanes. And, you know, I was just like, oh, that's that's what I want to do with my life. And I was just reading it thinking, yeah, I'm going to join math. I'm going to be a pilot. That's kind of, that's where I'm going to go with my life. And uh, you know, God always sends us on a little bit of a journey in that. And uh, it actually transpired that I'm, I'm colorblind, so couldn't become a pilot in the end. and so I think God kind of directed my passions towards engineering and that. Uh, it's been a, a very turning, definitely not a straight line journey, but a, a turning journey and uh, and here I am today, you know serving with math in Uganda. so it's um it's amazing kind of closure of the circle, I guess.
0: and I think you're right that the journey with God is never straight. We wish it was because, you know, that's kind of the quick way, but he takes us on the long journey. so, You know, when you you were colorblind, couldn't become a pilot, even though, you know, that's something that you were passionate about. What did you sort of learn, I guess, about resilience or having to push through or having to like change focus or change direction? Because for some people that could be, oh, I can't become a pilot. I've got this medical condition. It's going to disqualify me from that. So I'm just not going to worry about it at all. But you continued to pursue a career in aviation by changing tack. I think
4: there, there was definitely a time where I really struggled with that, actually. You know, it was clear that God had completely closed the door on me being a pilot and that. And for a while, that was quite a difficult thing. And um, the more you kind of push into God and you kind of, you know, well, what what is your purpose for my life? You've clearly closed that door to me over time it just became more and more clear actually I, w- I want you to become an engineer and i think the more you kind of push into that and it's I, d- I definitely feel it's like you know finding god's purpose for your life and the more the more i've kind of gone into that the more i've been like actually you know this is what i was supposed to be doing like i wasn't supposed to fly them and um I kind of love that kind of relationship I get to have now with the pilots here and that, you know, I see them flying off and I'm I'm kind of okay with it. And it's uh, great to be able to keep the, the aircraft flying. And, um, and I love the whole kind of intricacies of, you know, trying to fault find a problem and get your head around how things work. And so I definitely think the skills that God gave me were more that way than perhaps the flying ways.
0: A big thank you to Mark Draper as well as Ruth Jack, Stu Fitch, Ben Brown and all of our guests for joining us on the learning journey this season. It's been really amazing just to see how the Lord has guided each of them to where they are currently serving. Now if you've got a learning journey that you would love to share on season two do please get in touch with us learning.developments at is that email address. Thank you for your company today we look forward to seeing you next time as we continue our special series Looking Back at the best moments from Season 1.